Hoy hoy, Noiros. Splish splash, right? It's summertime, baby. We're we're in the water. We're watching the, the fireworks. Yeah, get me on to the boardwalk, even if it's on a sound stage. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We have uh, <laughs> Sparkling Dan, red, white, and blue over here. Maybe other other colors too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not wearing actually. I don't think I'm. I'm wearing a little bit of blue in my shirt, but that's about it. Got some I'm yellow wearing, and some orange. Yeah. My prints around the world in a day T-shirt. Beautiful. Yeah. Well done, uh, gentleman Joey here to say uh, well done to the T-shirt. Thank you. And it's actually else. it's it's cool because it has this design on it, and and I it's got. Oh, there's very, a back. Very, very similar. It's around the world in a day in the in the same logo and color and font, and that's from the album too. It's like I should, it's I should hope so. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a solid T-shirt. It is a very solid T-shirt. I don't know. I feel Big like fan. this is going to be a quick episode. At first, I was like, I don't know how much we should be doing our little preamble, but I, I don't I don't know. I saw write ups and such, and I think it's going to be a quick. And- I also think I have a lot to say, actually, about this movie. I, I, there so, is that. Yeah. There's definitely that. So we'll see what that does. And, you know, I don't want to get cocky and end up with an hour plus episode. So let's do what we got to do. Uh, first on the docket. Uh, our buddy Bill, who suggested the burglar, he he got in touch and he said that uh, about impact regarding the the shittiness of the quality. Mm-hmm. Apparently, TCM has a good copy of it. Hmm. He DVR'd it and then like burned it to a disc, and he says that thing is great. Oh wow! Because he saw like Epics had showed you know the version we had and was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that thing's terrible. But yeah, so if it's ever on TCM again, he said to keep an eye out. So it's a little good tip. tip. Good tip, yeah. exactly. We appreciate that. There could very well be a good copy of Impact to come. Eddie Muller, are you listening? <laughs> film, it could be. Film Noir that, Foundation, get this, exactly. get this going. They, that could be in the works for all we know. Fingers are crossed, but yes, good tip. I forgot to say, uh, I, I think, I don't remember, but that new Beavis and Butthead movie had come out and I watched it the day of. I did too. I liked it. I had a great time. I thought it was a lot I did of fun. as well. Yeah. I, I, there was one part that stuck out, not, not spoilers, but... I love the scene where they get the phone and they steal the guy's phone and they, they just proceed to buy nachos <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a really long montage. Oh yeah. And they it, keep talking to like Siri or whatever. Yeah, like, oh, it's yeah. like that, that whole it, sequence. Yeah. It was is, beautiful. It's just, yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it too. I had a good time. I had low expectations and, and they were, they were met beyond. It was fantastic. Yeah, so it was solid. I, I, I legitimately thought it was good. Like I really enjoyed like the, the satire in it. Worth a free Paramount plus trial. I would say. Yes. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> All right. I'm going to save this one little bit till after we get through. Uh, Dan, we got to see each other. IRL, a rare occurrence these days. Extended. Hang. What What could bring the lads together? Well, two things, I would say. Pre-orders and, and uh, well, sure, friendship, ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> number one, with the bullets, sir. Because, you know, hey, film noir, we, we do that stuff. Uh, we launched a pre-order. I don't know if you want to say anything about that, even though it's pretty much sold out. Yeah, you're wearing a shirt. I'm wearing my that's my non-print shirt, but circular, you know, we we have the right aesthetic yeah, yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that it's, symmetry. It's a circular episode. We're doing it in honor, of course. We'll get into it, but uh Gordon Wiles, the director, he's an artsy fella, so shout out to him a little early in the episode. Yeah. Uh but yeah, we launched the uh 11th anniversary edition, everybody's favorite of Mountain Smashers from your band, your old band, your your band band. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're still a band. I, I think it's, you know, we've always been. I don't even mean that act- you're not active. I just mean, hey, yeah. 11 years. That's a long time, old man. That's an old band right there. I mean, we started in 2006. So wow. it's even longer than that. I mean, we, we released a couple of EPs, you know, even before that and, and, a, and a seven inch. So, yeah, no, it's 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 the same four members this entire time. 20 years going to be here in yeah. no time, man. Yeah, it's it's wild. But yeah, no, I I. I I felt it was important to reissue this and, and, you know, have a whole, del- I, I love deluxe, you know, reissues of, of, of albums that I love. So I, I wanted to kind of mine the archives a little bit and, uh, and we were able to dig up some, some cool demos and it was and very scary nice at first. If there was an archives to be mined, uh, yes. I remember this came in of like, we'll be lucky if we can get like two, three songs, but we got nine demos, mm-hmm. most of which have been unheard. In many ways, you know, all of it has been unheard. I don't know how many people had that one tape. Yeah, I didn't know a lot of them existed. And that's why I was very skeptical. And Pat in the band just like was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I four tracked a bunch of demos with Devin, our drummer. 
you know, that I wasn't unaware of. I think I only played on maybe out of the nine, I think I maybe played on three or four of the tracks. So most of the remaining tracks I didn't even know existed. Uh, for the most part, a good a good portion of the rest of them. So you're just a fan like the rest of us on those. Yeah, it was discovery. I mean, I mean, we we kind of went through it. We we kind of picked out what we wanted to use because we had a couple ones that we left off that were kind of like same era, but like we didn't feel like it fit within the the Mountain Smashers story. Like it didn't. It they they were kind of like more like adjacent to the point where they weren't. They didn't really fit in with it. There were a couple like side things that we they were recording at the time on four track. Mm-hmm. So we opted to not use those and, and you know, kind of keep it strictly to, you know, sketches and, and demos for songs, you know, for Mountain Smashers. And I, I think it, I think they turned out great. I mean, Dave Downham at, at Gravel took the four track and they're very dumped, listenable. Dumped it's exactly what you, you hope for from a demo. So that's all on side B album on side A. So, yeah, just go to sludgepeople.merchtable.com. We put up three or four extra copies on Tuesday. So they mm-hmm. might still be there. And, you know, if you're a fan of the show, you say something to us, we could dig up something for you, I'm sure. Yeah. Find some in my backyard somewhere. You got to pay for it, but we can hook you up otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough of that business. Uh, the other thing that brought us together, Barnes & Noble Criterion Sale, baby. It's that time of year. Which we, we suggest to everyone, you know, you can catch up on some movies we've done in the past. There's plenty of Criterions. You want to get in touch and be like, hey, what's coming up? We'll, we'll give you some secrets if you really want to know. And also recommendations. Say, yeah. If you want other recommendations, even non non film noir, you, you guys will be fine. You don't need to spend your entire money on that. It's, you know, unless <laughs> not like, you're not like me. Exactly. Don't <laughs> fall down the trappings of Dan. You should have seen this guy trying to he was he's handed me a stack as high as the ceiling. And I said, sir, are you paying for this? Because otherwise I'll need to dwindle down. But I was a sidebar. Also, Criterion Channel, they just put up a, a film noir and color little selection of like 15 films and uh, there's a good chunk of what we've done including in our tech noir color may so i know desert fury i saw was up there mm. and a lot of stuff so check that out black rock yeah. good way to catch up but yeah criterion sale how, how many times have you been back since i've last seen you actually i haven't been in at all um i i, I mean I, I but granted that was my second trip already so i i, I mean i i don't want to like it sounds like a lot but i already bought nine movies so i i kind of want to get to a point where i was like you know what I'm going to just stop and, and actually start watching. So I've, I've been making my way through. So I've actually watched a good portion. I mean, having this holiday weekend, it has been nice to just, you know, relax in the, in the air conditioning and make my way through some of these. Yeah. One thing I saw in that shaft, I didn't realize shaft's big score was on that as well. It is. Yeah. It's a special oh, I didn't feature. I notice that. Oh, See, look at that. We're all realizing it. So I, I'm, I want now I'm definitely, I mean, I was going to get it, but now I'm rushing to get it at this point. But, and then why not shaft in Africa, which is like my favorite. Why, why not put that in there? And why not make it more of a feature? I don't know. But right. I had no I like I had no idea. And I, I love chat. I was very excited about this. I didn't apparently I didn't read through all of the, the features. I saw someone post about it. And I'm like, that's news to me because no, it feels like that was not advertised in any way, really. And that seems like a selling point. <laughs> is it is it like a 4K scan of it or is it a 2K scan? I, I don't know that because you I, say the special features were on the um, the Blu-ray, Blu-ray. right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not 4K in that regard, but I'm sure it's probably about a, two, a 2K scan. I think it, I saw it was. I'm not the uh, expert at it at this moment. I'm just telling you it's there. Go look for it. Do you want, do you want me to go get my copy and, <laughs> and look at it? It's, it's over there on the other side of the room. Why not, huh? All right, let's do it. Not since the secret scroll in the Lone Wolf and Cub set has there been a secret that Criterion has given us. Okay, so one... 4K UHD disc of the film presented in Dolby Vision HDR and two Blu-rays with the film and special features. Shaft Big Score, the 1972 follow-up, Shaft by director Gordon Parks. It doesn't say. It's probably 2K. Well, <laughs> watch probably. it and, and let us know. I will. I mean, I, I still have I still have the, the Warner Archive uh, triple Blu-ray set of all three of them, mm-hmm. uh, which is a cool, cool set. But I couldn't, couldn't pass up. I mean, I, you know, it's Shaft, you know? It's, <laughs> you, I mean, right, the artwork... Dude. Yeah, the artwork looks amazing. I love the artwork. Bill Sienkiewicz. It's always going to be good. Yeah, that's a, that's a movie that I would I would upgrade for 4K. And then, uh, Dan, are you ready now? You had a homework assignment from last week. I did. He, he looks ready. I'm glad to hear this. He's he's. We're going to rank the nine, everybody. This this is film noir uh, appropriate. So if you're hitting yes. your 15 minute skip ahead, Mark, you can you can take a breather if you'd like. So yeah, I'll, I'll keep this pretty brief. I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but so I watched, as many of our listeners know, or I hope know, 
I know. Um, I've been listening. Yes. I've listen. heard every episode. You guys do a great show. Thank you. Um, you as well. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. Uh, I recently purchased a, uh, a Blu-ray set from Mill Creek um, and Kit Parker. It's uh, Noir Archive Volume 1, and there's multiple volumes, and it's kind of Isn't broken down print? by years. No, it's not. You can still okay. get it. Okay. Yeah, they're all, they're all still in print. But you probably um, won't get the deal that you got, right? Yeah, I got them for I got used for nineteen ninety nine. So Ooh, a good wee. a good a nice little deal. Nine nine movies for twenty bucks. So you can't beat that. Not with um, the stick. Yeah. So I I ranked all nine of them. Uh, one being you know favorite, and then ninth being my least favorite. And I, I will I'll just say overall, I enjoyed all of them. At least there was something I could find in all of them that I I legitimately enjoyed. And you know, like with that, like anything else, there's going to be ones you like more than others. It's not necessarily like a, a, a slam on any of them that they're a low ranking. So, mm-hmm. um, number one, Escape in the Fog, 1945, for obvious reasons. You got the the the, the flash and fog factor for me. Oh, we're going um, we're going top to bottom. I see. I'm going. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to go backwards? Well, you we already gave going... away your number one. So at this point, okay. I would say. Well, that's how I ranked them when I wrote them. So that's that's why I, I went chronological. I, I understand. So number two uh, was Johnny Allegro, 1949. I really enjoyed that one. That was like a very quintessential film noir, and that's why I ranked it pretty high. Three was Address Unknown, 1944, which was the earliest one. It was the first one I watched. And it was just a very interesting, very German expressionist and like gothic vibes. Like the cinematography was just like outstanding. Like I that, love that, that title. Really, yeah, it elevated it. Um, it actually had to do a lot with like World War II and stuff like that, the actual war itself and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it was it was interesting. Probably the most fascinating one is number four. Um, it's a movie called The Black Book, which is 1949, which is actually it's a film noir about the French Revolution or like pre-French Revolution. And I think it was John Alton who did the cinematography for that one. It is one of the most beautifully shot movies I've, I think I've ever seen. Wow. Like it, it, it was just like almost like mesmerizing. And the and I'm not again, I'm not a big like period piece kind of guy in general. Like, I mean, there are ones that I like, but that, you know, coming into it, you're kind of knowing that you're like, okay, as a film noir, like, how is this going to work? But it works. It's interesting. It's a very, very interesting way that they did it. And it's very fascinating one. Hopefully, if if there was one like kind of dark horse one that we would maybe cover at some point if we're doing some oddball ones in the mix, that would be my vote because it was definitely very strange. That's number Um, five. That was number four. Four. Okay, yeah. Top four, I'd imagine we're going to be watching for sure. Yes. I mean, number one is a given, but yeah, the rest is like, yeah, I'm sure we can get to it at some point or it feels right. You know, I would and- say we all of them are worthy except the last one, and, and I'll talk about why. But, all right. I'm just um, saying I have your list now, so I'm going to, this is what I view as important enough. Yes. Yes. So number five, I have uh, the, this was the, the latest movie. This was from 1954. This was the Miami story mm-hmm. or the M- Miami. Thank you. Um, however you pronounce it. Um, and this star is actually uh, uh, our star of today's movie, uh, Barry Sullivan. Oh, interesting. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was just a very fun, very uh, kind of bizarre story, but very uh, almost like a kind of like a Kurosawa kind of pitting people against each other sort of thing. Like I had that kind of going for it, uh, which was interesting. Number six was a very, very well documented one and uh, that I've always heard about. I, I, I believe our very good friend, Film Noir Confidential, posts about this one a lot. The Killer That Stalked New York, uh, 1950, okay. which was very interesting for the times because it's about like the actual villain is, is an illness. And they talk about getting vaccinated and this mass mo- mobilization for vaccination and stuff like that. And it just felt very prevalent today. And, sure. and that, made it, that made it even more interesting, I think. But it was enjoyable. I, I liked it. Um, it was very unique. Number seven was our old friend Edmund O'Brien in 1950s 7-11 uh, Ocean Drive or 7-1-1 Ocean Drive, which is another famous one that I've always heard about but never saw. Yeah, same. Um, it was interesting. I, I liked it, but it had a lot going on with horse racing and like a racket with that and, and with like the wire system. And it became very kind of confusing and convoluted. I just, I, I, I kind yeah. of maybe chalked that up to like, I just don't have a good knowledge of that stuff. So it kind of, makes it tougher to get into the plot. It almost like alienates you a little bit. So that was kind of my critique of it, but there's some great shots and some great scenes in it that I really liked. So definitely, definitely worth, worth seeing. Maybe with the second viewing now, knowing all that you might enjoy it a little more. Yeah. You could just kind of tune out at those parts. Yeah. Yeah, He was great. He's always great. Yeah. So I, I, that, that, that definitely elevated it. Um, Number eight, which, which is a very, very bizarre one. And I would say the reason, the only reason I put it so low, I enjoyed the movie thoroughly 
but I felt that it was one of the least film noir esque movies in the set. So that's why I put it lower sure. um, was assignment Paris, which has Dana Andrews in it. It was more of like a spy movie. I was going to say it, from that title, it had that vibe. Yeah. But it was a great movie. Like I actually legitimately had fun watching it. And it, and it was very interesting because it was about a newspaper and like stories about it was like this whole entry with a Hungarian ambassador and like kind of behind the iron curtain, but it's like very early on. Cause I mean, we're talking about 1952. So, I mean, it just kind of, that's starting just to be a thing in a lot of these countries. So it's characterized as a cold war film noir. It has elements of it, but it's, I'd say it's kind of loose. It's got George Sanders and it. it's got Audrey Totter, which is great. Like, so there's things that kind of tie it into that, but it felt very loose to me. So that's why, like I said, that's why I have it pretty low. Sure. And my final one is The the Guilt of Janet Ames, 1947, uh, which was by far one of the weirdest film noirs I've ever seen in my life. Like it, it very, very loosely had these really interesting, bizarre pseudo dreamlike sequences, but it was all like imagined. So like it was like the, the narrator kind of main character kind of walking through this wife of this guy that had died in the war. And like walking through these imagined scenarios of their li- their lives after an event that happened. And it was almost like kind of, I, I liken it to like almost like a Christmas Carol-ish a little bit in these kind of like, in, in the way it's portrayed. And like Sid Caesar's in it in a really early role. It's just a very, very, very bizarre movie. And not a lot of like, not a lot of like intrigue or, or crime or not a lot of, I mean, there's some shadows, but like not not a conventional film noir as you would think about it. And it, again, it felt very loosely in with that. So that's why I have that ranked as my least. And I, it was my least enjoyable. It was the least enjoyable of the bunch too. It felt very bogged down to me and just, I felt very bored. <laughs> I can't wait it. to never watch it. Thank you for yeah, the heads so that up. One, if I would, if I would you know, say that, that would be one that I would not recommend. Yeah, that would, it would be that one. That still yeah, sounds I, like, okay, one stinker. That's a great deal right there. You know, yeah. you should be so lucky in a set of nine. Yeah, and they're all—they um, were all either Columbia or or Pathé, uh, so it felt like it was very Columbia-based. They're all like two K scans that were fairly recent, mm-hmm. so I think that helped in them getting the rights and being able to kind of do this more budget or or you know package deal. But I was looking at some of the other sets, and there's definitely some some gems of one that I've been really wanting to see that are mixed within those other sets. So definitely, you know, I would I would recommend this set overall, and I would I'm looking forward to checking out the other ones as well. Yeah, especially if they do Columbia. I have a fondness for those. I, I, yeah. I got a nice no, I, quality to them. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. Ready to get into this one? Yes, I'm ready. You ready to, to gangster it? <laughs> I I am very much ready for this one. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I keep getting thrown off because we did the burglar so recently. I thought the same thing. I, was, I kept in my head, I kept saying that even though they're vastly different movies. Yeah, I um, felt like a mom. Like it's like, oh, you do the burglar. It's like <laughs> this one's the gangster, uh, aka really episode seventy nine. Of course, the gangster. This was released November twenty fifth, nineteen forty seven. So happy Thanksgiving, Dan. Thank you. Produced by those three kings of brothers, the Kings Brothers Productions, and mm-hmm. distributed by Allied Artists on this one. Directed by Gordon Wiles. Earlier, gave him a shout out. Come find out why. And uh, written by Daniel Fuchs. There's some rumors that, uh, you know, some Dalton Trumbo made some contributions, but I've seen nothing to support it. So mm-hmm. other than, you know, he was working there at the time of his blacklisting. Yeah. That's as much as I'll say about that, but we're acknowledging that much. Um, but it's based on the novel Low Company by, hey, Daniel Fuchs. He mm-hmm. adapted his own work. That's always fun. Yeah, um, I and like that. We know him. He did the script of Crisscross. A ton of stuff for us coming up to... You know, he, he does plenty of good, good scripts. So can he yeah. do it again based off of his own novel? That's always fun. Speaking of the burglar, that was another similar situation. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that parallel too, but yeah, you're right. It just happened for me, sir. Welcome yeah. to the light bulb <laughs> on today's show. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, yeah I, it's I a very interesting movie. There's like a lot of characters. So, you know, if I skip over anything, Dan, please, please fill in the blanks because I think that's going to be easy to do. But some great um, names. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Starting with Shabunka, of course, Barry Sullivan. Yes. And, you know, it's like, what? Is that a first name? Is that a last name? Shabunka. That's all we get. <laughs> He's Shabunka. Just like Belita. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but she does One get name. a last name in this. As yes, a, she does. As a character. Yes, she does. 
and boy is she a character old belita they're back uh we remember them from suspense of course which was made a year earlier yeah you know it'll be interesting to compare the two at the end Mm -hmm. Uh, we open with a, a nice little voiceover right off the bat it sets the tone with which is kind of the movie it just is very kind of existential yes you know it's it, it's very it comes from you know this is an emotive noir i would say you know a bit poetic and as i mentioned gordon wiles he's an art director he came from art direction mm-hmm. and production design you know there's also a lot of well thought out set pieces and, and framing i mean it, it's it's a gorgeous looking yeah. movie the print is good yeah you can archive Warner Archive want to go through like a Belita releasing Blu-ray extravaganza. They easily could do a, a nice little one-two punch. Yeah, no taglines this time, but it says on here, told with bullet force, which is fun. Well, there is a tagline on the back, and I don't know if it's an original one, but I loved it. It's uh, he had the rackets, the cronies, the connections, and he had no chance. It's good. I I, I think they probably came up with it for this because you read the description and, it, yeah. you know, they're in the zone for it. But Warner Archive, especially when they were first releasing stuff, yeah. You know, they, they did a great job at those kind of things. It is worth reading the back yeah. <laughs> on these discs. But Shabunka, he's a, you know, like a racketeer. He's a gangster, you know, as, as the title says. And, you know, he's a little bummed out. He's just, he, he's, he's a little uncertain with his place in life. He doesn't quite feel loved or appreciated. And, you know, unlike, you know, other criminals in this town, like he, he works solo. I mean, he has people, you know, that he counts on, but. Throughout this movie, you just kind of see him in search of uh, a connection and understanding. And, yeah. You know, we, we find that he's a product of circumstance, you know, is what brought him here rather than desire. I mean, other than the desire to survive and, and, and on his own terms. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, to, yeah. to rise above from his place in life. And that's led him here. Yeah. Now as we're in says. the out of the gutter and onto Neptune Beach. Yep. But it's a rainy night <laughs> right now. So yeah. you might want to get inside. Which is Neptune Beach apparently is in New York City, but we're on a soundstage this entire time. They do, you know, a great job with what they have to work with. Of course, King's Brothers Productions, they were all about saving a dime, but making a profit. And they know what they're doing. They're pros at this point. And yeah, so he owns a a soda fountain shop, Mm -hmm. which is run by uh, Nick Jammy. He's a character. Yeah. And uh, also speaking of characters, the soda jerk is named Shorty. You might remember him from so many good things. Of course, Dragnet is where I always remember him from. But yeah, Harry Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. yeah. And Harry Morgan is that we, we kind of just have to go through these characters because it, it's a lot like a play in a lot of ways, because characters yeah. just kind of pop in and just like give their little melodrama and just like, oh, this is why my life sucks and has a little bit to do with the plot. And then like, all right, see you later. And then like, yeah, it cuts to someone else doing their thing. But. You know, there's a lot of characters, but everyone gets something to do. You know, no one is wasted. Right. And so, yeah, you know, Shorty's just like this cocky uh, soda jerk. You know, he's a, he's a he's a player. You know, he likes the ladies and they seem to like him. And then mm-hmm. you also have Dorothy, who is the cashier there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's a bit of a, the innocence of, of the soda shop. Mm-hmm. So uh, Shabunka owns this. And meanwhile, he's doing quite well with it. But there's a rival racketeer in town named Cornell, and he has a nice gang of people, including some old faces we'll see eventually. They want to exactly. And they want to take over this this whole racket. They, they like what they see. They think they can do it better. And they got the force to do it. So they have plans to take Jammy, you know, to, to kidnap him, basically, and force him to work with them. Because he has multiple properties too. I guess we should also bring that up is is that the Jammy and Shabunka have this whole kind of network of places that they have a lot of influence, or at least Shabunka has influence on specifically in that in that neighborhood in in the beach town. Mm-hmm. He's uh, running I guess the along place. that boardwalk area. Yeah, he's kind of kind of running it as like the mafia sort of ish kind of racketeering side of things. Yeah, like you know, protection money, that kind right. of stuff. Right. And now someone wants in on that. So also we have Shabunka's girlfriend, Nancy Starr, or Belita, mm-hmm. she has problems with him too. <laughs> he's an odd character. He's an interesting guy to be in a relationship with. You know, he's a little possessive. He's kind of jealous, but also like he's focused on what he's doing, which is a little dangerous. And meanwhile, she is focused on her career. She wants to do well. Mm-hmm. She wants to sing for people. No ice skating in this one, Dan. Yeah, I know. Very disappointing. 
Well, it's summertime. She, she gets a break, you know. Exactly. She, goes, she sings a little bit in the summertime. As you do. And so Shabunka is, he's going through everything. He's unsure about his girl and if she loves him, even though she clearly does. He's unsure about, you know, this, this crime racket that's coming in to take over things. It, it's getting to him. You can see it through voiceovers, through how he carries himself. He's, he's just, he's an unhappy man. Yeah. And so he's flipping out at everyone, especially her. And, you know, she's just trying to love him and understand him. And he cares for her. I think he just, he has a tough time kind of showing it and, or showing it, ways, showing it in ways that is not like a typical way that you show love and, 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 and support and stuff like that. I mean, there's that one little scene where he sees the receipts uh, for a bunch of, you know, things that she's recently purchased. He's like, oh, let me see those. I'm going to take care of them and put, put them in. It's like, oh, no, don't. Like, oh, thank you so much. Like that sort of thing where it's like, I, I think, you know, he wants to show his affection, but that's not necessarily how, know how to direct it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Sort of I, I never had doubts that he loved her or anything like that. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just definitely like how he should, how he's showing that love. Two people that are just not compatible in that way, but they do care for one another, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm they just come from different stations in life and you know he's he's closed off and she's just trying to be lovely and love him also you know speaking of side characters there's frank cardi who is going through some tough times he's a regular at the the soda shop and uh he's got a gambling problem mm-hmm. and so he comes into shabunka and he's begging him for a couple hundred bucks and he, you know he could tell he's like down on his luck this guy's like so pathetic looking mm-hmm and uh, you know he's like, so I can get money from Shabunka. He's he's the guy that runs things in this town. But Shabunka only cares about Shabunka in that regard. And he's like, dude, fuck off here. Yeah, he wants nothing to do with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's awesome and and evil to him, and just says terrible things. And Dorothy sees all of this, and she's just completely disgusted by that. And she she mm-hmm. quits. She's like, I don't even want anything to do with this. And he's like, hey, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Like, he really wants her to like him. He sees the disgust that she has for him, and he doesn't like being seen by that. He wants to be liked by everyone. You know, Shabunka, everyone loves Shabunka. So he even, like, tries to give her a couple hundred bucks, you know, even after he was like, I'm not giving this guy any money, and, and she super hates that. So she she leaves, and this really breaks his heart. And then meanwhile, Cardi's wife comes in, and she's looking for her husband. Her husband's like just completely in denial about what happened and everything like that. Other than he's terrified of his wife's brothers who own this mechanic shop that he works at. He was doing like the books for, and he stole money and he stole like $1,300. Yeah. He never asked for that much. He only needs a couple hundred bucks. What's that about Dan? He's trying to get, get his money back through uh, the, the horses. So he, oh, he, only needs, he only needs the money just to kind of fuel his, He's not even trying to pay him back. Oh, yeah. Well, then definitely fuck that guy. Well, I mean, maybe it's it's that he only needs that, that amount to, like, be able to stake that money to hopefully win all that money back without actually having to borrow that much money. You know, Which you is mean, insane. Like, I would just yeah. be like, here's a down payment, guys. I'm working on it because these brothers only want the money back. Right. They don't well, really- there's, a, there's one other thing I, I think we should mention that we, we kind of jumped over just a little bit is is right after that whole sequence we talked about where he takes the receipts from her and, and to, the bills to pay those things. She makes up an excuse to not go out to dinner with Shabanka and he doesn't believe the reason. So he follows her all the way to this restaurant and he gets real suspicious. He thinks she's like, she's like cheating on him, but it turns out at least he thinks at the time that he's just a promoter that she's having dinner with to try to get on to Broadway. Mm-hmm. So this will come into picture later. I just want to make sure we talk about that. Absolutely. Dan, I told you there's going to be plenty of that. So yeah, I'm do here. You got to do it. <laughs> Fill those holes. Meanwhile, uh, Cornell takes Jammy and like literally takes him <laughs> mm-hmm. to a fancy restaurant. They're trying to have a meeting and there's like a nice scene where he's like putting together all the sauces to dip his bread into and mm-hmm. eats a salad. You could tell it's in the appetizer phase of the night. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Cornell is just really like, hey, we're going to be taking over this whole racket from Shabunka and uh, you're going to be helping us out. But Jammy is completely loyal to Shabunka and he refuses and I'm sure there won't be any consequences to that. No. Extortion, stuff like that. No. Always Not goes nothing. over well. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with these things. So now we get to have a nice little picnic on the beach, though. We got to cut loose. Things have been going rough. Belita and Shabunka, they go out to the beach, quote unquote, because of course we're on Love the it. stage. Uh, and she has a, a very interesting bathing suit where it's just like, it looks like a very short skirt, but that she has yeah. like a crop top or something on top of it. It's just, it's crazy, but it's awesome. 
Well, he's got a full suit on. So and yeah, he's I mean, out in, in a full comparison. suit too. She's yeah. like, you didn't want to change it in your trunks? He's like, nah. I mean, it's Shabanka. He can't. He can't do that. You know, he's got to keep keep up his appearance. He, and he's he's too. You know, he's too grizzled. You know what I mean? He's too like I can't. You know, he, he, that definitely a dude that that is wound to the point where he can't. I don't feel like that dude could relax at all. So you could stick a piece of coal up his ass and it would come out a diamond. There you go. <laughs> uh, but maybe not today because it's been a lovely day at the beach, Dan. And I'm yeah, saying he that to, he starts to warm up a little bit and in more ways than one. Exactly. His cold heart melts and uh, everything's going great. They're kissing. Things are wonderful. She's knitting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ask them to lie down. So Classic. She can size it up, you know. Yep. And, you know, which is a perfect time of vulnerability because mm-hmm. a couple of gentlemen show up, including Cook Jr. Just killing it. Yeah. Great, great little sequence. And, and, and of note is that she they end up going to a very isolated part of the beach um so they're kind of away from the crowds because i mean we know it's a set but you see how closed in everybody is when they're first walking on the beach like everybody's you know everybody's very closed in including the lifeguard everybody's really close together but then they go to this kind of very secluded thing to be alone Um, even when they're on the boardwalk there's like a ton of people like it's well populated to make it feel like a very busy area but yeah they're able to to go off to the side rest in the sand and then these gentlemen which will, show up which will play a little bit of role in just a moment yeah and so yeah these guys show up they, they threaten shabunka they got a knife on him and everything like that they get a nice speech from him about you know how no one's gonna really you know how long i, I think this is i mean he makes a lot of really like fantastic speeches fantastic yeah, like, awesome speeches like he his uh Tough as he, nails. Other yeah. than his love for Nancy, you know, like he could be a little warmer to her. But other than that, like, and, you know, maybe he shouldn't show up to Dorothy's place at the end. But other than that, yeah, this guy's right on the money, you know, these. Yeah, there's not one thing he says that's wrong. This guy never falters, despite clearly the odds are against him. And, you know, he realizes the world loves friends and he's a loner with no friends. So that's no good. But he stays right. tough. And he, well, he even, I mean, he even starts to kind of open up a little bit in, right before this, this, this encounter with Bolita, where he talks about when he was younger, when he would look up and he saw this couple you know, that were embracing and stuff like that and realized he kind of wanted that. And he's kind of opening up a little bit more than you kind of see him throughout the film. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that, yeah, it's, it's, it's at that vulnerable moment, like you said, that these guys come and they start to kind of try to muscle him a little bit and he doesn't really back down. You know, I mean, he gets roughed up, but he doesn't back down. That gives him the old Tom Petty. And they don't yeah. like them, though. I mean, they're like, really like, we really want to fucking kill you, dude. Like, we don't like the yeah. mouth on you. Your speeches really piss us off. Yeah. You got to go. And they, they even pistol whip them, too. Yeah. But. And then he also and then he instantly accuses Belita that he that that she let him out there and, and that she's a she's a part of it. She's like, hey, he's like, he's like, you're in on these guys. You, t- you took me to this like, secluded spot. And now these guys find me like this is weird. Yeah. And then she gets she gets very like. What are you talking about? Like, how could you ever do that? And it's like, oh no, it's just you know me getting pistol whip or whatever. Yeah, how like, dare kind of, you? He, yeah, he plays it off and 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 you know tries to reconcile. You'd have um, to be a real piece of shit to do something like that, Dan. To to sell him out like that, you know? It, yeah. It, it, he, how dare he? Not something like that would never happen. So he's Not like, all right. <laughs> She's like, I love you. I don't care about any of this. Like, I'll go to the pawn shop right now and pawn all this stuff off. It, that you know you, you gave me that yeah. i was happy to get it because i love you but like it's not about this stuff so he's like all right well why don't you go ahead and go pawn that stuff off we're gonna need all the money we can get and we're gonna get out of this town i think that's the safest bet for us mm-hmm. and then uh you know you also got the stuff going on with cardi he's he's been gone forever you know even though he keeps popping up into the soda shop and he pops up again to ash a for help you know he's like i really need help even though it's still that gambling amount and he's like, nah, nothing has changed. You still suck. Yeah. You probably stink by the look of you. Like, this is not how to do things. You got to go away. And who, of course, Dorothy's there to, again, be like, hey, shame on you. Tiss, tiss, sir. I'm better than you. Joan Loring, by the way, does a great job as yep. Dorothy. Mm-hmm. As the uh, almost too moral center <laughs> of the yeah. entire thing. But all she does is hype him up and be like, yeah that is me i am this bad guy like and i'm gonna win this thing i hate cornell like we gotta get this guy but bad news his buddy jammy unfortunately he had to give up the location list of where all of their rackets are over to cornell but you know of course 
Jamie had no choice. Don't blame Jamie. Poor, poor Jamie is really the lesson of this movie. The, uh, he gets it the worst, I would say, but he finds out about this. He goes to confront Cornell and Cornell's like, you know, why don't you just work with us? Obviously you're not going to be running things anymore. Like you're a tough guy. You can come collect for us. You could be one of, one of those four guys, the henchmen that you met. You love those guys. Nope. And he's like a speech instead. Absolutely. And he's like, yeah, I'm absolutely not going to do that. I'm obviously better than that. I'm a winner. So no, thank you. And they're like, well, that's cool. We hate you anyways. Like, yeah. And also real quick, the, the, the lead up to this scene is one of my favorite, some of my favorite shots in the movie of him walking up the stairs. He gets double um, frisked, Dan, which is double frisk. Yeah. I, I love the way it plays out. It's, it's so, so well done. And it's um, gorgeously great. shot. I was actually yeah. thinking like, Hey, if I was the man making the, the cover shots of this episode, that would be a good one, but we'll see what the, the boss says about this one come posting time. But yeah, I mean, there's not a bad shot in this movie. So talk about an easy one for you, Dan. Maybe. Maybe. The, the, the biggest problem is that there's no Blu-ray of this thing. So you got to work from DVD quality, but. Yeah, that's uh, not terrible. All things considered. It's terrible when it comes to having to screenshot and post these things. Yes. But as far as watching goes, yes, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a yeah. good print. It's an easy upscale. So. Yeah. And there's, and there's lots of great shots, as we mentioned in this movie. I mean, there's, sound this is, is 100%. Be, yeah. It's going to be a tough one for me. I know uh, to pick because there's good, there's a lot of good shots, but Absolutely. yeah, this in particular was one that yeah, I remembered from my, my initial watch a while back. And I remember like this seemed like really sticking with me and then just, just as good, if not better now. It's a fascinating movie because it's a very short run time. Uh, you yeah. know, it's like 120 minutes, 121, something like that. No, it's 84 minutes, 84. I don't know. I, I was thinking, hour tw- hour, <laughs> hour 20. 20 thank you I was like two it's not two hours if it's two hours that might be a rough one uh, yeah yeah, yeah I'm 80, sorry. 80, 84 minutes 84 minutes which makes a Perfect. better point than what i'm trying to say it's very quick but they jam so much in there so there's room to breathe like when he's walking up these steps and going to confront it so it, it, it is, they jammy it they jammy in so much in this movie but it doesn't feel jammy you know it feels shabunka if anything yeah <laughs> well said <laughs> Uh, yeah, you could have some fun making some magnets from these names, I would imagine. Some Mad yeah. Libs. I th- Noir, I think this Noir is, Mad this Libs. Is, this is an opportunity, I think. Hey, subscribe to our whatever, and maybe that's your gift at the end of the year. You get a, you get a Shabunka calendar. and <laughs> We could call up Tagmire and get him to make a game for us. Yeah, uh, that would be cool. There you go. You know what? Maybe of, all, of all the movies, because <laughs> I mean, you got Boardwalk, you got a beach, you know, you got the yeah. the, the properties. You, you, we could have all the different properties that that Shabunka runs. You know, I feel like there's there's possibilities here. Yeah, even if it's like a monopoly or something, you know. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like that's that's where my brain's going. It's like some type of monopoly esque thing, but with the gangster. We just combine a bunch of games into that. Yeah, and it's <laughs> the game will be just for the gangster. Yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's true. Oh, I'm talking. Yeah, it's yeah. strictly about Stri- this movie. Strictly about the gangster. So we hope you like this one, guys, because we're making a game of it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Meanwhile, Cardi, he's unfortunately not doing well at his game, horse gambling, and life really. So the brothers, the mechanic brothers, come and beat him up. A lot of good gangs coming in to beat these low lifes, and he's like, "Oh, I, I could come up with the money. Don't worry." But again, he goes looking for just a couple hundred bucks again he, he goes back to the soda shop and you know he's he's not in a good place when he does this um mm-hmm. so he's asking jammy for the money and he's like come on man you got enough money he's literally like because he's like i'm off to the bank he's literally holding money in his hand Deposit, at this yeah. moment yeah and he's like come on man you can just give it to me and he's like no nah, i'm not gonna do it. this is a bad idea like my life is falling apart over here that's not gonna happen mm-hmm. so cardi gives him the old frying pan to the head which of course kills poor jammy and that's not good and then cardi just leaves and i don't even think he takes the money right which would make sense it. because he, yeah. he feels guilt we'll get into it but yeah maybe he's just like oh god this went too far and i'm yeah. out of here yeah that could be it but i'm not sure uh also i'm gonna go back to shorty a little bit because shorty shorty's story is crazy so yeah he's a ladies man but then he's trying to get with uh one lady in particular what was her name dan is that uh australang Mrs. Osterlang. I believe so. Yes. And she's like just the habitat. Right? Yeah. She's, she's a who, and they have a weird back and forth. They're like giving letters to each other, which you briefly see and like have to like try to read real quick, uh, which I liked. I liked how it was just not yeah. held on that letter. That's not even that important. And then he like goes over to her place and they, 
he gets fresh, man. And yeah, he gets a little bit awful. Risky. Yeah, the 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 boys at Dragnet would not care for that. And uh, yeah, she she wants no part of it, and he gets kicked gets out. out. And yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just Shorty, his whole arc is just weird and fascinating. It's, yeah, it's, it's just a, like it's a, a weird little sidebar. Yeah, the comic so release. necessary because yeah, like it'll be like, all right, we got nothing to do. We need to be at the soda shop, and he's just like in there giving like a whole like self-help speech about like you know being a ladies man and stuff like that it's they come to me i don't go to them oh my god it, it's it's great he's, and he's instructing like he's teaching the new soda jerk that's like that they, they hired somebody else i guess his like relief or whatever and he's like you know kind of showing him the ropes too and kind of going off about stuff and you're wondering why all these ladies like him because he doesn't own the soda shop no he dresses like a soda jerk. Even when he's out on the date, he's just like put on another soda jerk uniform, basically. Yeah, that's who he is. He, he's got to have a golden dick, Dan. That's like legendary throughout the boardwalk. I mean, I'll let you speculate. I have I have no idea. Noiros, feel free to email us. Real out of the podcast at gmail.com. Thumbs up, thumbs down, golden dick. He must. Harry Morgan, possibly in real life as well, but at least in this movie, he's got, he's got the goods. Ladies' man of Neptune City Beach and Boardwalk. You know? I mean, back in 47, it didn't take much, but yeah, he had the goods. Yeah. Practicing eating all that ice cream and eating pussy right afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Real quick, speak, speaking of ice cream, uh, there was a good scene Not that I, re- I really I really liked earlier on when there, when uh, two of, of uh, what's his name, uh, Cornell's henchmen, go to kind of start roughing up uh, Jammy and they're in the back in the kitchen area. And they always kind of mention this real expensive ice cream maker that's back there that they, that they bought it was like $2,000 or something like that. And they kind of go in and they, and they have some nice words and stuff like that with them, kind of just joking around with them. And then they start bashing it in. Yeah, stuff like that. smash like, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just, I love that little, like, you know, it's like that classic extortion, like, Hey, we're playing nice with you, but we're going to start messing up the place, you know, until you start doing what we want. Like that sort of, you yeah, know. I think even when they're like trying to talk to him too, he's like, "Don't you need to have something that needs fixing back here?" And yeah, they, exactly. Then exactly. they gave him something that needs fixing. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, they 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 say they they need to inspect it, like they work for the manufacturer. They just like a routine checkup. You know, we do every year. What whatnot? It's like I I don't know. It's a little off thing, but I I I love it. Um, I love the little. There's not a wasted scene. Touch. It's like little bits like yeah. that. And like I said, there's a big cast list. Shelly Winters is in here somewhere. I didn't know this, but I heard about it. She is uh, Dorothy's replacement at the counter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, oh, that makes sense. I felt like I saw yeah. someone that was like kind of like her, but I wasn't quite sure where it is. She has a few lines, but not many. Um, and right. yeah, you could definitely, definitely miss her. Don't blink. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I think now we're at the point where like simultaneously, Shabunk is, is, is kind of trying to pull some favors to get some muscle to help go help him go and actually go head to head with Cornell and his gang. Like, Take he's really on, trying man. to... Yeah, get get some of his old buddies. I mean, he's got you know politicians in his pocket. He's got henchmen. He's got old guys that hang out the pool hall, like just hoodlums. And at every turn, they're basically saying like he's you know persona non grata. You know what I mean? Like he, he like nobody wants anything to do with him. He's like a disease. I think one 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 guy even yeah. called him. And yeah, not nobody you know nobody wants anything to do with him at this point. Cornell is like completely succeeded. Everyone is just like, he's about to take over. He like basically already has. So yeah, we, we want nothing to do with you, but he's still feeling confident in himself. And he's even like, I don't want to run out of town. We'll just go away for like a couple days or something like that. Yeah. And he goes to pick up Nancy for such a, a, an occasion. And this is where he might wanted to ask her one more time. Did you set me up? Because she did set him up. You see Cornell and his men are there waiting for him. And something and, I didn't realize in in the initial watch, but I watched the second time, the guy, the the main henchman that's there, I think, is the guy that she met that was like the Broadway producer. Yeah, you seem to allude to that before. Not. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I, I, for whatever reason, the first time I watched it, I don't remember catching that. I don't remember that as much from the first. But I made more sense this time around, and it made it, it made it even deeper. You know that there's almost like this conspiratorial nature of it. Like they're all kind of in cahoots together to make the to to basically ensnare him. And they make mention of it earlier that you know right before the beach scene where she takes him to the beach that Cornell is pulling these strings and he's pulling Belita's strings and they and it's very very quick and they don't he doesn't say her by name but you get the impression that he's really using Belita to kind of you know lure him into this trap to basically either to get him on their side or just basically just get rid of him and crush him. 
it's his um, biggest weakness is is her so it definitely her. makes yeah. sense to go to her and and her weakness apparently is is the allure of fame and and, and broadway right um she gets a, a sing, I mean, she gets a singing scene before i don't know if it's dubbed i didn't see anything about that so i don't know either yeah i was curious to maybe to we'll hope that. that it's not but you know i hope it's not too i mean i'm i'm a big belita fan so i believe in belita belita um, and believe yeah um but uh i love his expression after he has that like when when belita you know basically like tells him that like she wants she's like disgusted by him like wants nothing to do with them and like there's all a big not a ruse but it was a whole there's this whole plot just seeing his expression is amazing like his, like how like blank he looks and how he's acting mm-hmm. and when when cornell just reaches into his his pocket his breast pocket unfazed pulls out his wallet, gets his money out, and he does not move. He stays tough the entire time. Yeah. And he also just like is like, okay, here's a new thing I have to process that I know I just have to leave behind. I yeah. Now I no longer love this woman who betrayed me. I'll be pissed about it for two seconds and then I'll move on. I'll survive. That's what I do. It's you, you see his instincts there and a lot but of credit to Barry. Yeah, but does he though? Because it because I feel like this is like you know the way that I think about it is, you know, he has this tough facade throughout this entire movie. And, and I'm sure well, even before the, this movie is existing, obviously, but nothing gets to him at all, except his love for Belita. And that is really, a movie, as we talk about it, is his weakness, but his weakness, it like guts him. It really guts him. And you do see that like at, at its, at his core, no matter what his facade is, it, it really crushes him because of how he well, leaves absolutely. him. And he leaves Everything his hat crushes there. He leaves his wallet. I, I, yeah. I don't think that he doesn't feel these things. I think he just finds a way to like process and move on and just bury it. But clearly, it informs everything that he does and and who he is. And yeah, like you you can't bury something like that. Everyone sees it, but him. He's like, no, I'm a tough guy. I'm like, no, you're clearly a guy who's just been destroyed by the world. And here's a little bit more for you, buddy. Yeah, you know, we're gonna walk all over for you. And you know, Belita's is like, you know, it wasn't that I never loved you, but. You know, I came in loving you and then you were just too crazy and paranoid and, you know, oppor- love. opportunity came up. I got to go for it. And so, I love yeah. the scene. The lo- I love the whole sequence now where he's walking out of the hotel and the rest of the world's kind of going on around him and having fun. Well, tea for and, time, Dan. Yeah. They first, like, as you say, they reach into uh, his pocket, grab his wallet, take the money out and they say, give it to her. She's going to need it. And then they're like, oh, we're not going to give her an audition on Broadway. We like we were yeah. screwing with her and it worked. <laughs> yeah. But yes, now please go ahead. Yeah, and just I I love like where it's just like you hear this kind of chatter of these people being happy and, and like going on with their lives, and he's just so crushed about everything. Yeah, and as he's walking out, and he's just like, I have no one. And then as he walks out the door, then he starts seeing these couple pairings of of you know kind of shady looking dudes looking at him, and he starts getting real paranoid about like why are these people looking at me? Like whose men are these guys? And then he runs off, uh, basically he kind of goes off into the night and he's kind of walking in the boardwalks. It starts raining. It's just like this, all of this, he hears, he sees like these almost like ghostly voices of, of Dorothy. All right, like, well, slow down, Dan. You're going yeah. a little fast here. Yeah, yeah. There's some stuff. Now I got to fill in some stuff. But yes, okay. first off, credit go. credit to Barry Sullivan. I just want to slow down for a second. Just, he does a fantastic job with this part and what's asked of him from the script. Like he carries the weight of the world on him and, you know, it's fantastic. And Andy, the way he delivers everything is, is just fan. It's so good. Few things we missed. One would be that uh, Jamie, when he, before the, uh, he's like, Cornell is like, Jamie's with me now. Anything happens to him, I'm going to come after you within like 20 minutes, even. Like, yeah. I, I'm after you. So, this is one reason for that paranoia right. that you alluded to. Also, he heard though, about it because he heard he heard the, like some boys talking. That's the right. news comes back. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That, that. As he's walking out the, of the hotel, he hears the like, people talking about how Jamie was killed. So he starts freaking out and he actually goes to Dorothy's apartment who actually she gave him his address or her address earlier and, you know, instantly regretted it, I'm sure. And then definitely regrets it at this point. So she comes, he comes to her house and her father's there and everything. He's like, I need your help and stuff. And she is cold to him. And it's just like, yeah. you, you deserve to die and stuff like that. And her dad's like, no, wait, what? Like, it's fine. And then he's even like, you know, they know that you didn't kill Jamie. So it's all going to be good. Like, but you should probably lay low here and everything. And she's like, get out. Give him time, Dorothy. I just came over the radio. They might still be on the streets looking for him. They'll shoot him. I hope they do. I hope they kill him. Dorothy. The man's in trouble. We must help him. No, let him pay for his sins. You don't know him. The way he lived, the things he did. 
rotten. He's no good. For a minute in the store, I felt sorry for him myself. I thought I understood. You understood nothing. You're sweet, lovely, and good. You're also very young. Pay for my sins. You know what my sins were? I'll tell you. That I wasn't rotten enough. That I wasn't mean and low and dirty enough. That's right. I should have smashed Cornell first. I should have hounded Jamie, kept after him, killed him myself. I should have trusted no one, never had a friend. I should have never loved a woman. That's the way the world is. Wait, live, find out for yourself. That's the way you have to be, the only way. I came here. I don't know why I came here. What's the good of talking to you? What do you know? So he leaves, and this is where he's like, yeah, super terrified, walking around. This this is probably my biggest criticism of the movie. I didn't like the, the floating around, repetitive, you know. We well, that was actually before this because because he because he has her he hears her voice. And then he dro- the paper flies out and he, and he remembers the address and then goes to her apartment. So all this is actually kind of leading into that where he's yeah. walking out in the rain. He's got, he's got nowhere to go. So he's, you see like the desperation of like he has no one to go to. And then finally he hears these voices and he sees the, the paper and he realizes maybe I can just go hide out Dorothy. She's, she's good. She's a good person. Like and, and maybe no one will tie me to her. You know, and that's and, and then he, she even shuts him out. You know, yeah. I mean, she his last resort. He looks for uh, Dorothy's purity and like, yeah, she wants there. nothing to do with this. She is as cold as can be, says you deserved this. You got to pay for your sins. In fact, you know, she yeah. was real Christian with it. And uh, he's like, all right, I really do have nowhere else to go. This is it. So he he goes out into the boardwalk and there's just a nice scene of like the buildup of the rain. You hear the thunder come and everyone starts scrambling for somewhere to go. As he's in his own, like, you know, whole no dogs allowed phase and boring, and he's, he's walking just, by himself, and he's stuck in the rain. And yeah, so also, yeah, Cardi had confessed to the murder. He felt instantly guilty and and mm-hmm. and went in. So that happened. And yeah, so he's got nowhere to go. He's getting poured on and everything like that. And now he's just like in the shadows, yelling at nobody. He thinks someone's there, and he's just like, you know, to Cornell. He's just like, all right, man, it's yours. Like, take the racket. You're the gangster now, and. Mm-hmm. uh, he gets brutally shot down and he's in the gutter. He lies in the gutter. Yes. So he, he kind of goes back to, it's like, it's like that whole existential, like fatalist, like, you know, he talks about this proverbial gutter that he comes from and then that's where he ends up. Um, so I like that a nice, nice, yeah. Nice touch there at the end. And yeah, I I love this movie. Like I, I love, I mean, essentially it's a monogram picture. So, I mean, it's, it's super low budget. We kind of talked about this is actually not a monogram picture. This is allied artists on this one. Well, allied artist is monogram. It's one, they're one in the same. They (laughs) change, they kind of change the name, but like you could, if you even go to the, on their wiki page, I think they even mentioned that it's monogram, but it's essentially monogram. Gotcha. Um, So yeah, I mean, you got a poverty row film. It, this, the, the sets are interesting, but you can definitely tell it's low budget, but even, even this, there's even that shot where, they have the subway. I love that that framing with the subway is real tight, and you got the the stairs up like that very like Brooklyn esque stairwell uh, and everything like that. Yeah, I just it, it, like you said, it, it packs so much into it, and there's so much layer to it, and great shots, and so much just intensity in this like kind of low just low budget B picture, and it's it's great. I, I I love the characters in it. Like you said, there's a lot of them. There's just a, there's a lot to like about this movie. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of times you watch these movies and there's like one facet, maybe two, if you're lucky, that are really firing on all cylinders where you're like, wow, the directing of this is so great. You're like, oh, the actors are so great in this one. But it really is everyone bringing their best. I mean, it's a fantastic script just with the dialogue, but also just it's well plotted and, Mm -hmm. you know, it has something to say at the same time. Right. But it also it's fantastically art directed and directed, you know, like poverty road they're just getting gordon wiles to do it because you know he's he's very he's, he can do double duty basically you know like that's cheap but they got someone fantastic to do it and barry sullivan's fantastic Belita's great i mean mm-hmm. i like barry sullivan better in this than i did in suspense i think this is you know more his movie than than Belita's, where it's kind of the other way around you know mm-hmm. like suspense i would say is kind of like poetic in a lot of ways but this one is just straight up like heartbreaking but with that same yeah. kind of human poetry to it but it's great. I gave it 9.2 out of 10 soda jerks. I loved it. 
Wow. Great. Yeah. I am same, same boat. Yeah. I, I, I love this movie. Watching it again was, was even, even better. Uh, I think than, than I remember seeing it the first time around. So I believe it. And I would say the poster on Wikipedia is fantastic. I wish that mm-hmm. the Warner, the Warner archive one is okay, but the one on Wikipedia is really great. I wish they went with that for the cover, maybe for the Blu-ray, but you never know for the future. Also, can, can I make a mention of, uh, we didn't talk about it, but there's that really amazing, like, I guess it's like a portrait of like it's a lot of bolitas and, and like he has it like framed and then there's like a bigger one that shows up later like at the end like when they're in the apartment yeah um and i i wish that existed somewhere because i would totally buy that and hang that in my room so cool uh, also the apartments yeah. were really great too like yeah. i loved all that but the working title for this was low company parentheticals mm-hmm. the story of shabunka uh, and in fact, according to a memo from July 1947, the Breen office tried to persuade the Kings brothers to change the film's title, but they refused on the grounds that, quote, they had no Ingrid Bergman's or Clark Gables and had to use rather sensational titles to interest the public in their product. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, as we said, the film was directed by Gordon Wiles, who came from art direction originally and even won an Oscar for it for 1931's Transatlantic. And like we said, it's a great looking picture. So you know this to be true. Wiles had come in to replace Edward Blatt at the last minute due to scheduling conflicts. Daniel Fuchs wrote the screenplay based on his own book. And cinematographer Paul Ivano was borrowed from Universal for this one, bringing in the big guns. This reunited Barry Sullivan and Belita with the Kings Brothers producers after the success of Suspense for Monogram the year before. And it seemed like by this point, they were having a little less fun with their contract star, Belita. Shortly before principal photography was to begin, she was suspended from the film after she objected to the fact that Barry Sullivan was billed above her. Then Allied had accused her of planting publicity stories, saying that the studio was forcing her to wear an indecent costume. I'm guessing that's the swimsuit. And they Mm -hmm. had banned her husband from the set. Wow. But the dispute was soon settled. Belita returned to the production. And Sullivan was billed above Belita in the final on-screen credits. Well, she was like one of, if not the highest paid actor at, that they had at that time, which is crazy. You know, I, I think she's awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong. But the fact that she's like, you know, by trade, she was an ice skater and, and did ballet. And then going from that to being like, I know it's Poverty Row, but being the highest paid actor for, for a Poverty Row film studio that's it's crazy um well and beyond that she you know wasn't american and like had a hard time understanding the film industry and, and how it worked just to come in all like you know i want this but yeah it was filmed entirely on sound stages to spare the higher expense of sh- uh, shooting on location other than the b-roll of the train and the beach and speaking of art direction if you love art direction here's a fun one the art deco clock digital clock that's on shabunka's bedside it's called a, a zephyr model from Lawson Time Incorporated from Pasadena, California. Uh, those were made from 1937 and into the 1950s. They're very rare today. They're worth quite a bit. Some are featured in the MoMA, in fact, hmm. as an icon of that style. And yeah, it could be worth up to a, several thousand dollars if you, you get a good condition one. So check those closets. Go get hmm. on Antique Roadshow, you know? One of my favorite shows. And so we don't actually find out what the rackets are that Shabunk is doing in the movie, but they found from memos from the uh, motion picture, you know, the, the Breen office, they had found that there was the, quote, unmistakable impression that he is an operator of a chain of brothels. So all references mm-hmm. to prostitution were taken out of the final film. So sounds like that's in the book, though. They also maintain that Shabunka's financial support of Nancy was, quote, an inescapable inference of an illicit sex affair between the two end quote but they managed to keep that in the movie and uh, they also didn't like that cornell and his men got off scot-free so they changed the ending to that to let him know that hey they did catch cornell and all those guys yeah we're free of crime now at the boardwalk finally yeah (laughs) the breen office memo also claimed that uh on a quote recent occasion the king's brothers were heard making loud unpleasant boasts that because they had the money, they could push things past the Breen office and were making it known either directly or by inference that questionable material could have its way bought through the PCA, end quote. Hmm. That's what you do when you save those monies, and you know, you, you buy off the Breen office. Apparently. 
But the film was a success. And in fact, it was also re-released as part of a double feature in February 1954 with Dillinger from 1945, which was mm-hmm. also from the King Brothers and has our buddy Lawrence Tierney in it. Mm-hmm. That's everything. Uh, have you watched The Hunted with Belita? So funny you should bring that up because I, I, I had my cart open for a while for a couple movies that I've been, especially film noir that I've been looking to get. And that was one of the ones that I wanted because I also went down a rabbit hole of Belita yeah, uh, it and, sounds and cool. Re- and related. It does sound cool. Uh, so I, I found that. And then that led me to uh, a movie called Blonde Ice, which I'd heard of. That looks amazing. She's not in it, but it looks amazing. And also a movie called Violence, uh, which is another, which is an archive film, uh, which is like about like neo fascists and stuff like that. And like and like someone like goes under like undercover, like this woman goes undercover to like because they're trying to like extort like uh, servicemen coming home from World War Two. And trying to bring like use their aggression to you know to become like fascist basically in, in the U.S. like it sounds bonkers to me. Um, yeah, so I went down this rabbit hole and, and I picked up a bunch. So the hunted is one of them. Long story short, so I'll let I'll let you know how it is because I mean I do I do like Belita. So I, I I've been hunting, if you will, um, other movies that uh, that she was in that I could I could find that that yeah that sounds very interesting to me. Yeah, I'm gonna pick that, that one up. It sounds really cool. Nine ninety nine, very very cheap. Well, all right. Well, in the interest of long story short, speaking of which, I can already tell this episode is way too long. I, we lied in the beginning. But come join us next week. You know, hey, we're feeling sad about how long this is. Sounds like we're in a lonely place, Dan. We will be soon. Did you see Mr. Steele last night? Yes, as I came home, I saw him going to his apartment with a girl. That girl was murdered between 1 and 2 o'clock this morning. I had anyone I was a lonely one Till you What's he doing here? With or without his wife or tailing me. I've been looking for someone for a long time. I didn't know her name or where she lived. I'd never seen her before. And a girl was killed, and because of that, I found what I was looking for. First, you have to have enough imagination to visualize the crime. You're driving up the canyon. Put your right arm around her neck. You get to a lonely place in the road, and you begin to squeeze. You're an ex-GI. You know judo. You know how to kill a person. Go ahead, go ahead, bruv. Squeeze harder. You know Dix didn't do it. You saw him after the girl left. But Lochner has a different idea. He believes Sticks could have done it. I left his office feeling as though he were trying to warn me. I came here because I wanted to say these things out loud and be laughed at. But you're not laughing. Let me in. So are you taking to Las Vegas? No, I know. Are you packing to go on a honeymoon? Yes, of course. Are you packing to run away from me like you ran away from Mr. Baker? Coming with the famous one, finally, after a, a string of obscurities, all the DVD copies were kicking it to Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be a good time. Yeah, There's a long, long episode, huh? Yeah, it's been a long time since I watched that one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see. Uh... Yeah, it's been it has been a long time as early viewing, but we'll get into all that next time. Uh, Dan, what's our email address? You always got to quiz me. It's out, out of the podcast at gmail.com. Oh, that would have been great. But it's actually the real out of the podcast. Oh, the real at out gmail. of the podcast. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to write all these down. <laughs> if you email the other people, those are, those are not the real ones. So, hey, what's our Instagram? That's out of the podcast. What about that Twitter, baby? Out of the past? No, it's out of the cast. Out, out, out of the, the cast. cast. I bet Warner Brothers has that one. That's, uh, what, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> uh, Dan, where do you find this podcast? Where, where do you do? everywhere yeah 
Well, it's, it's omnipresent. It is omnipresent. Say if I found that like Apple podcast version, what would I do there? Would I rate and subscribe review? You would do all of those things. Yes. All of well, the above. You have to do all of them. Otherwise all it doesn't go through. Yes. You won't get new episodes. That's true. We will go into your phone. We will hack your phone and put it into it. <laughs> Maybe. We have the, we have the capabilities. We are the $6 million men. <laughs> Collectively. Yes. That's about as much money as we have together. Most of it from Dan. I chipped in two bucks. Yes. But that's enough to be on the project to have a producer credit. So sounds like a perfect time for the toast. <laughs> Dan, yeah. here's to crime. Here's to crime. Ridding. Mm-hmm.